2: Jacob's Daily World Cup Podcast from Talk Sport.
1: Talk Sport.
3: Hello and welcome to another edition of our World Cup podcast. Back home with me, Paul Hawksby.
2: And me, Andy Jacobs, and we look back on another dramatic day, or another dramatic day of second halves, as we wave goodbye to Belgium. Salute the mighty Morocco and jubilant Japan size up the Spaniards and, quite frankly, have a bit of a chuckle at the Germans, all in the company of global football guru Kevin Hatchard.
3: Plus, we'll take stock of the use of technology in the tournament so far with Mr. VAR, ESPN's Dale Johnson, and we'll delight at the good fortune that's befalling a slightly soiled Luke Shaw. Yes, that is all coming up. We are um, bringing you this moments after the end of the uh, Japan-Spain And uh, Germany-Costa Rica game. So, uh, yeah, we're all a bit breathless. Uh, Kevin Hatchard's going to join us to uh, look at those matches and the consequences of them today a little bit uh, later on. But before that, there's, there's quite a lot of business that has arisen from another day at the World Cup, Andy, isn't there?
2: Well, there is really, I mean, so much for that bloke's mathematical model who had Belgium losing in the final to Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> They're from Oxford <laughs> University, he needs to go back to school on that yeah. one, but not great. I think
3: he certainly does. Shouldn't he be at work? <laughs> That's very true. Uh,
2: I've got mine are a bit random. Uh, Mrs. Doyle's favorite player scored, Doan, Doan, Doan. We
3: saw Yeltsin one. score tonight. We talked about uh Yeltsin to Jada, the other to Hayda the other day, yes. didn't we? Of course whose mum called him Yeltsin because she liked the name of President Yeltsin of Russia. (laughs) And there he pops up and scores a goal for uh, Costa Rica. But the big story of the day is that England are going to win the World Cup because a bird um, defecated on Luke Shaw. Are you aware of this, Andy? No, I'm not really. The boys were all having lunch, al fresco lunch, and there was Luke Shaw at a table. Uh, Certainly we see Harry um, and Jack Grealish in the clip. And then you hear this, and they all start laughing. And Luke Shaw uh, has been crapped on by a bird in the tree that's above them where they're (laughs) having their lunch. No one said, that's lucky, that is.
2: Well, it is lucky, apparently.
3: Yeah, he's definitely got to take a penalty in a shootout. I mean, he probably had about 400 quid t-shirt on and that stain may <laughs> not come white. out. It won't be plain the, white. Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, an expensive day for Luke, but it may just be the difference between winning the world cup and not. So that was some good news.
2: That is good news. And um, Chesney Hawks has been all over the place, basically uh, claiming that his uh, chat at his song at halftime turned yeah. the game around. But apparently Gianni Infantino was very impressed with Chesney. He said today I, am the one and
3: only. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. Yes, yeah, so he would have done. Yeah.
2: Sorry.
3: Today I'm feeling Chesney Hawks. Well, Chesney went a bit for now, nah, for hour nah at one point. He was talking about meeting um Declan Rice because he's a West Ham fan. He was very excited. And he said it was a weird and wonderful feeling when Jude Bellingham gave me a hand slap near the team tunnel. <laughs> have you ever had a hand slap near the team tunnel, Andy? Or are you prepared to tell the, tell the boys and girls today? So, yes. Carry on. Talk sport. Um, talking of uh, Gianni yeah. Infantino, did you see him sitting there in his suit and white trainers? No, no socks, white trainers. I don't know who he thinks he is. I mean, for all <laughs> Set Blatter's faults, and there are many of them, you wouldn't have seen him sitting there, no socks and white trainers, would you? No,
2: you wouldn't. And rightly no, absolutely so. Absolutely not. <laughs> Anthony Taylor is amazing. Isn't he? He's got this wonderful capacity to annoy everybody. It doesn't <laughs> matter where you're from. It's Losing incredible.
3: friends wherever he goes. I don't
2: know if he's like that in real life. People just get annoyed with him. <laughs> yeah, quite <laughs> goes possibly. Into a shop. It's terrible, really. But uh, You see, everybody's
3: going to be searched on the way into the stadiums now for uh, laser pointers. And I I think we should get zero – we should get absolutely medieval on that. I don't know what they're going to do. If you've got a laser pointer on you going to a football match and you're not from FIFA and about to give a presentation in one of the suites, (laughs) they should not only take it off you, they should not let you into the ground, they should ban you from going to a football match because you've got no other reason for taking that to a game apart from skullduggery, have you? So I think we've got to start getting – Pretty hefty on people because we saw what happened in that Senegal playoff match, the Egypt game, and we saw what happened with England as well. So against Denmark, wasn't it? So mm. yeah, we got to get zero tolerance on the laser pointer. Peter, you got, you're looking a bit. You don't look convinced. Have you haven't got shares in a laser pointer? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with Peter Jacob's Walton. I'm with pointers. Peter
2: Walton. He's not sure. <laughs> oh, is <he? laughs> Okay, fair enough. And. Uh, hmm. I was hoping Spain would go out there. I can't stand watching them. They're so boring. They're so <laughs> tedious the way they keep the ball. It's just dull. Uh, but I do I did feel a bit for the Lukaku, but he really is terrible. Was it Rudy Nions that we used to be that we used to speak? What was his name? Rudy yes, Nions. Yes, that's right. Rudy I'm Nions doubting yeah. myself after calling Simon Crude <clears throat> <and> Nigel. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing about that a lot last night afterwards. <laughs> the worst thing about that was you said to me, Who's Nigel? when I called yes. him. Nigel. And what I should have done was that, oh no, of course, Simon. Yeah. I couldn't remember his name. (laughs) It's great. And it's pretty Soon
3: forgotten. You have to listen to yesterday's podcast too discover yeah. what we're talking about.
2: Well, I'm sure you have. Ali McCoyst. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you have. Ali McCoyst called Biscuits biscuits, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> did like, he really? Yeah, he did. And Clive... Yeah, every
3: dog in the country suddenly looked up. <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> what would have happened.
2: Mine had heard it. But Ali didn't know what he'd done there. He loves Spain games. She yeah. loves Spain games. Like. Clive... With the old Kenneth Walton, I've known this for so long. The whole of the ball over the whole of the line. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think I think it was. It was an amazing. Well, we're here
3: with Chapter Dale about that. Um, in the days before predictive Mm. octopuses and the predictive camels. Yeah, uh, I discovered uh, today. I think you saw this little piece in the Today's Sun. They look back to 1962. All right, and uh, when we had Igor, the predictive computer. (laughs) <laughs> really? 19, very early. Imagine how big this computer was. It was the size of a block of flats. A computer in 1962. <laughs> something that you can now fit into your phone. Yeah. size of a block of flats. And the computer uh, said that the Soviet, it was a Russian computer, and they said the Soviet Union would win the uh, World Cup. And they lost to the hosts in the quarterfinal to Chile. That was back in 1962. So there we are. Eagle, the psychic computer. He sounds tremendous.
2: Yeah. They they had a little feature about Paul, the octopus. Hmm. Said, I did. That remember, was in that piece. Yeah, yeah it was. Read on. It, reminded, it reminded us that people were demanding Paul be fried or barbecued when he got when he got right. the prediction wrong in the semi-final. But he died apparently of natural causes. Yeah, that's what, he that's would what have they wanted. all say, isn't it? It's like that bit in Babe. You believe what you want to believe. And the Japanese player Tamaguchi, I don't know if he's got a pet that he looks after. <laughs> Probably.
3: Yeah. Imagine having to leave the pitch to fe- feed him, almost certainly. Definitely. Well, um, Ronaldo's got plenty to talk about. He's got a firm offer, hasn't he, from a Saudi club. 150 million a year. So we'll find out how <laughs> keen he is Ridiculous. to still play in the Champions League when he gets offered 12 and 6 by Sporting Lisbon. That'll focus his mind. 12 it, and things?
2: 6. Yeah. <laughs> dealing in old money <laughs> Yeah.
3: For some reason. Least. All the Portuguese <laughs> clubs only deal in old money. Pre-decimalisation.
2: 15 and 9 they'll offer him. I do think we're going to speak to Dale Johnson. I think they should just get rid of VAR for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, what, that's going to happen, Andy. But what is the <laughs> point of this thing? It's just other people making a mistake other than the referees. There's no excuse yeah. for they're getting it so wrong. You could clear there was one shot of that goal, that ball tonight. It was clearly over the line. Oh, what no. they'll do, though, they have some bloke doing that hooky graphic to show you that it yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean,
3: it, the fact it's now, it looks pretty and it looks like a graphic. We all believe it. We all say, oh, that's definitive. That's definitive, of yeah, course, yeah. because we can see it. Um, I mean, the there will today in
2: Croatia as well. Well, we'll yes, talk to Dale. Yeah. We ridiculous. will talk to Dale.
3: But the game has gone because the footballs now in this World Cup need to be charged. They Need to be I plugged in that. and charge yeah, pre match. So that idea of the impromptu because of the chip inside them. Um, the idea of the impromptu kickabout, so you go around your mates' house, you say it's Tony coming out to play, and you got your football tone. Oh no, I haven't, I haven't charged it. Oh, no, we can go out and half,
2: it'll be dark in half an hour.
3: I haven't charged me ball. We can't yeah. go out and your play. balls run
2: out of charge, just got in to case there's a
3: glancing <laughs> header or one crosses the line and we don't know about it.
2: Ridiculous, is
3: not it? Definitely the game has good. Gone. uh
2: retired um, firefighter nick martin you are like this oh, yeah. bloke? uh oh. he's basically bought a ticket for the final he said i, I have to because in case england get there 540 quid right well it's yeah. worth a punt isn't it well not if they don't get through
3: <laughs> no I, I mean i don't you probably can't sell it again can you i wouldn't think it would but it's legit. so
2: difficult to predict i mean it, England could do it. I mean, it's fascinating. This player got fifty. I love these letters where somebody gets fifty quid for just telling us. basically a match report from Nigel Doughty in Suffolk. He got fifty yeah. quid from the Sun, saying Marcus Rashford helped seal a glorious win for England to reach the last sixteen of the World Cup. Yeah, thanks. We know that the Three Lions gained an emphatic victory with two great goals from Rashford and a third from Foden. England were bright and dominant. I mean, just, yes, all right. <laughs> it's about a day late, mate. Ridiculous. Or this one, the other one, I love Mm. this one. Uh we saw Tuesday, England versus Wales. Why Rashford shouldn't play for England ever again? All through the national anthem, he stood there not singing a word. So never mind, he scored two goals. (laughs) He dropped because he didn't sing and all the
3: other good he's done in the last couple of years. (laughs) Honestly,
2: these people. Um
3: another quick one. Did you see that um Antonio Rudiger was in fear of having his rent put up? Uh oh, yeah, yes, (laughs) because um when he moved to Spain, he started uh, renting um, Caleb Navas's place. And with Germany playing Costa Rica, mm-hmm. he did say, Look, I know if we knock them out, we go through, he might up my rent. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a fairly bizarre situation, you would think. But anyway, in the end, they both went out. So I take it the rent will stay the same. And he can afford it anyway, let's be
2: honest. Guys. That's true. Harry Kane has got a pair of Ugg boots. I don't know if you saw this. Has he really? Has he yeah. been wearing them in that? Apparently. Heat? Yeah, but that's it. He says they're great around the, the complex, but you think, aren't they a bit warm in that yeah, weather? His feet, but...
3: his feet must hum. <laughs> also, has he got the Ugg boot shuffle? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, he's probably got real Uggs, <laughs> expensive ones, but when you get the old, when you get the shoe cookie, express UGG, cookie Uggs. Cookie Uggs. <laughs> well, not so much. You just get basically a, a and they... You can always tell it's like Marley's ghost in front of you, like (laughs) you know, pick your feet up, pick your feet up. It brings out the old man in you. That
2: does. Now uh, we haven't heard much from Jerry Lawton in this world cup, the stars, Mm. man of sensation. No. And uh, he reckons, this is definitely not true. England fans are urging cursed ITV to let fierce rivals at the BBC screen our match versus Senegal on Sunday to almost guarantee victory. This is all about the curse of ITV, but they're not going to do that. they pay quite a lot of money for this world cup. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just let them have the round of 16 game that everybody wants to see.
3: No well, way. look, we got all that uh, nonsense out of the way, and I suppose we should now concentrate mm. on the games themselves, and we'll do that very shortly, uh, in the company of Kevin Hatchard.
2: Talksport, Hawksby and Jacobs' Daily World Cup podcast from Talksport.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
4: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: Jacobs Daily World Cup Podcast from Talk sports.
1: Talk Sport.
3: So what a day of football we've uh, witnessed once again, lots of drama. And let's reflect on it all now and look at the consequences of it in the company of uh, football expert, friend of the show, Kevin Hatchard. Kev, uh, wow, I think we're all just getting our breath back, aren't we?
1: Yeah, it was extraordinary. Uh, You have to hand it to Japan. Uh, I mean, there's nobody, I don't think, who would have said they would have beaten Germany and Spain. Uh, at a World Cup to go through. Yeah. It's really quite extraordinary. And then it makes it even more amazing that they were so tepid against Costa Rica in the middle game. Uh, I mean, we didn't see any of the the kind of vibrant attacking that we've seen in this tournament. Again, Ritsu Duan on target. So he's damaged Germany not once, but twice now. <laughs> and he plays his club football in Germany. So that's going to be interesting to see how he's received when he goes back. But I think German fans will look at the three mm. games And we'll realise that Germany just weren't up to scratch. I actually think had they played with any kind of clarity and cohesion against Costa Rica, they could have smashed them by the same margin that Spain did. And they'd have been in the mix to maybe go through on goal difference. But I thought they played with real panic in the second half. There was a really strange second-half performance, the early part of that second period. Just the simplest passes. I'll tell you what it reminded me of, actually. When England went out to Iceland, Yeah, it was that kind of fearful football, as if it was dawning on them just how big it was, their, the, the magnitude of their errors. So... Yeah, a lot to work on for Hansi Flick. He he says he wants to carry on. I see no reason why he won't be allowed to carry on. I think he'll take them through to that home Euros in 2024, but they've got a lot of work to do.
2: They're not going to be happy about when they see Japan's goal, like the second goal. No. They think, they're think they going to think it's 1966 all over again. <laughs> the hell. I mean, that was clearly over the line. I don't know what Vara doing. We'll have a chat about that later in the podcast, but it was crazy. Yeah,
3: it was a crazy moment. It, it was um, yeah, it was a very strange performance, wasn't it? Really, they looked so on top, so dominant, like they're going to absolutely walk it. And then, as you say, also st- they didn't take their chances, and then it all just kind of fell apart. But ultimately, it 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 wasn't in their hands. They kind of did what they had to do on the night, but it was as you said, it was all about Japan and what they did against Spain. What did you make of what did you make of Spain's performance?
1: Well, I mean, I was I was main, I'll be honest, I was mainly yeah. concentrating on Germany, Costa Rica. But from what mm. I saw, Spain, as you'd expect, had plenty of the ball. Murata got his goal. But I think they switched off a bit and they didn't create that many clear-cut chances in the second half, from what I could see. So that kind of just shows you it's very, very hard. Once you slip down a few gears, it's very, very hard to get that back. And against mm. the team with Japan's energy and their quality, I think the temptation is to kind of almost Japan Japaners, all oh, they work ever so hard and they've, you know, loads of energy and all that. They're a good side. I mean, they, they've got some really good attacking players. So, you know, excellent performance from them. I just think with Germany, I, I tweeted actually just before half time in this game, there were real shades of the Japan game because you felt that Germany had started well, got their goal, looked on top, mm. missed a load of chances, but they always had that vulnerability in transition. Yeah. Always. You never, ever felt that they were secure. He took off uh, Goretzka, who had a knock, we understand. He took off Gundawan, and suddenly you had oceans of space in midfield. Poor old Yorzo McKimick, who'd been at right back in the first half, is suddenly here you go, Yorzo, you can cover the whole field, can't you? <laughs> and it was crazy, crazy. And yeah. I know that Hansi Flick's a risk-taking coach, but the one thing for me they have to really work on between now and 2024 is that ability to defend in transition. They call it rest defence. The the tactics nerds like me call it <laughs> rest defence. When you lose that ball, you have to be in a good position to stop
2: the counter. And they haven't got that sorted at all. The thing is, that we're like you in a way where I watched the spade games. I didn't really watch, yeah. I just right. saw the goals. That Costa Rica's second goal looked a bit iffy, but I don't know what happened there.
3: I was watching, I was watching Germany, Costa Rica, and I did Japan Spain on the on the laptop again. I mean, Germany-Costa Rica was mad. Costa Rica looked like the worst team in the tournament, they looked as bad as Qatar, and then they suddenly they were allowed away in. There was a chance, a mistake by Rüdiger. It's a brilliant yeah. save by Neuer, wasn't it, Kevin? And then it seemed to change from that moment. They fancied their chances. And as you said, they always looked iffy at the back. Um, well, Germany
1: made such a poor start to that second half. Ball. Yeah. That, was, that was the thing. And, and Costa Rica, you could almost see them think, oh, actually, we might have a chance here. If we can get men forward. It looked like the greatest rope-a-dope in football history, losing 7-0 <laughs> to Spain and then suddenly beating Japan and maybe beating Germany. Mm. But in the end, it didn't go their way. But Germany have only got themselves to blame. They should have beaten Spain. Zane with
2: that but great if Spain had won, would, would Germany have gone through? Is that right?
1: Yeah, if Spain yes. had ma- if, uh, Sorry, if Spain had managed to draw, yeah, that still would have. I understand that still would have been enough for Germany. On goal goals scored. Yeah.
3: It would have been in goal scores. So yeah. they were
1: one goal away from it. But Spain, towards the end, from what yeah. I saw, didn't really come They'd up won, with the intensity good chance required. The end, yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. We should we should go a bit earlier in the day and have a word on Belgium uh, as well. And we know now. Uh, Roberto Martinez has has left the job with his contract coming to an end. Do you think he slightly wasted the golden generation? How much of the blame do you lay at his door, Kevin?
1: Not much of it, if I'm honest. I think what it gives us is it gives us a nice ability to look at his whole tenure. And he took over from Mark Vilmot after Belgium had just been shown up by Wales in the Euros. And that was a fantastic Welsh performance, but it was obviously a hugely disappointing performance from Belgium. He got them to a World Cup semi-final. They did okay at the Euros, did well in the group stage, lost to Italy, who went on to win the tournament. So you've got two tournaments there where they've lost to the team that went on to win it, beat Brazil at the last World Cup. So then you think, well, actually, what does this golden generation thing mean? And actually, even with peak Lukaku, peak de Bruyne, peak Hazard, peak Courtois, even with those guys in place, was it ever the best squad in Europe? Was it ever the best squad in the world? I would say no. I don't think it was. I don't think at any stage they had a divine right to win a tournament. So the way I see it is, yeah, maybe he could have got a little bit more out of them. And I think the one thing you can say about him is he failed to regenerate the squad towards the end. He didn't move away from those guys that had done so well for him in the past. And I think Mm. that's where he did let himself down. But in general... I think it's an okay spell.
3: Yeah. I mean, you saw today when Docu came on, he just seemed to give it a bit of energy, seemed to get him going. And you just kind of felt maybe he should have played some players a little bit earlier on in the tournament and in that game, especially.
1: Well, the irony there is that Doku's one of the guys that he mentioned in his post-match interview. When they mm. said about, oh, is this the end of the golden generation? What mm. about the players coming through? He went, oh, yeah, Jeremy Doku's one of those. Well, why didn't you use him? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was strange. I feel I, I do feel a bit for Lukaku. but he, I'm a big fan of his, as you guys know. Mm. And he looked like a player who hasn't played a huge amount of football. Uh, and I, I think a sharp... Romelu Lukaku's played a lot of football and has been scoring goals for Inter. Mm. In that scenario, I think he takes one of those chances. But Belgium, in the end, it's the Morocco defeat that's done them, and they just didn't do enough over the three games. Mm. So I don't think anybody
2: can really argue they deserve to go through. Yeah, there's been some real surprise packets, haven't there, Morocco and Japan. It's
3: well, really. it now means, of course, I mean, Spain have finished finally, Spain have finished second in the group, um, and that means that would be a bit of a blow, but they now play Morocco. They may well fancy their chance against Morocco. The Morocco have done well, but it's how it shakes down in the rest of the draw, Kevin.
1: Yeah, because obviously a lot of people were looking at it and thinking Spain would win their group mm. and and then would end up on the other side of the draw. So that they've suddenly slipped into the other half and are a danger because, you know, they would be favourites against Morocco. That's not a very bold thing for me to say. Yeah. But... You write off Morocco at your peril because the one thing they are, they've got a great goalkeeper. Spanish fans know that because he plays for Sevilla. Yasin Bono, great goalkeeper. They're very well organised. And what they will do, I imagine, is they'll say to Spain, okay, you've got the ball. We don't mind that. You, You can have the ball for long stretches, We'll try and do you at a set piece. or so we've got players like Ziyech who can change the game. Andy might not have seen that too often for Chelsea, but no. it, it can happen. Yeah, no,
2: no, he's been playing well in this. Yeah, and they've, they've
1: got quality. They've got quality in those wide areas. Hakimi, we know, is so dangerous, has that ability to, to hit and transition from fullback. So I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. And I, I look at Spain and you think, well, they've lost to Japan. Had Leroy Zane taken his chance right at the end of that Germany game, they'd have lost to Germany, and I don't mm. think that would have been a massively they're unfair light result. Up front.
2: I think they're light up front. Moretta, he's, he's all right if he if he doesn't think about it, but he's not great. I'm
3: close to saying it's coming home, but I won't. <laughs> I won't.
1: But, <laughs> do you know what? Sorry, just to just to make a point on that very quickly, <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing to be optimistic, you know, about Man. England because you look at all the kind of big hitters, and England are one of those. Mm. They look one of the sharpest. And you look at the quality of attacking options. They've got goals.
2: That's the thing that really 100%. Yeah, that is true. And
1: and I know Gareth Southgate gets a lot of stick for, oh, it's dull and he plays this and he plays his favourites and blah, blah, blah. But he has to have that structure to let those attacking players breathe and let them play. Mm. And I've just watched Germany... And they haven't remotely got the structure that England have got, not even close. And so it's all very well having loads of attacking players. If you don't get that balance right, you're in big, big trouble. And yeah. I do think that's the one thing above all that Gareth Southgate's very, very good at.
3: Kevin, thank you. Thank good you, to Kevin. talk to you. We'll catch up with you soon.
1: Cheers, gents.
2: And Jacobs' daily World Cup podcast from TalkSport. Talk sport.
3: Well, we turn now to VAR and it was always going to play a major part in this tournament. I think we came out of 2018 quite excited by what we'd seen and quite optimistic, but I'm not altogether sure that four years on it's operating any better than it uh, did. In fact, you could make a case of it being a whole lot worse. Let's ask a man who knows. And the man we often turn to on VAR, we call him Mr. VAR, whether he likes it or not, unfortunately.
4: He <laughs> yeah. can review it if he wants.
3: <laughs> yeah, from ESPN, it is Dale Johnson. Hi, Dale.
4: Hi, guys. How are you doing? How
3: to, Do you like Mr. VAR or not? Do you feel that too much of a burden? Not this week. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Public enemy number one. We've That's got sick. to start with that Japan goal that ultimately is... Not to Germany out of the World Cup, and VAR saying that was in. I mean, what what evidence will they be able to bring us? Apart from a shiny graphic, maybe which they're hurriedly putting together on a computer at the moment.
4: Well, I've actually just been speaking to somebody at FIFA about it, and and really, there isn't no more evidence. The, the answer is it's the it's the um, it's the line, the line camera, and that's what this, this is made by. And the VAR has decided that he has the definitive evidence that there is part of the overhang of the ball that is touching the line. Now, we have similar instances to this in the Premier League and what we know and what we've learned is that the VAR doesn't get involved when they don't have the definitive evidence that they can say, yes, I know for a fact. Let's go back to there was a handball just before the Premier League broke. Uh, I think it was involved in Manchester City and uh, it was probable that the ball was just about on the line for the penalty and it should have been given. But the VAR decided they didn't have definitive evidence so they didn't give it. So when we get this at the World Cup where no one can clearly see, yes, I definitely think that's on the line, then we're almost like we're definitely going into the point of re-refereeing whereby Mm -hmm. the VAR is is, is making really assumptions rather than using the evidence to make uh, changes to pitch decisions.
2: I thought it was over the line. You could see clearly. I mean, clearly it just, with it the was, naked eye. It, it just, just looked at, there were shots where it looked over the line. Yeah. I just, uh, what I'm disappointed with in VAR, and I'll ask you whether you feel the same, what's the difference really between the ref getting it wrong, or as we've seen quite a lot, VAR getting it wrong? I mean, we've seen some ridiculous decisions in this World Cup.
4: Uh, and this is remarkable, really. I mean, when we had the World Cup four years ago, obviously at that point, we, had, we hadn't seen VAR in the, in the Premier League, English football. It had, was in a few leagues in, in a, on a fledgling basis. And um, we've already had more VAR overturns in this World Cup than we had in the whole of the last one. We're up to 22 now. We only had 20 in the whole of the last World Cup. And they're making uh, overturns on decisions which just aren't necessary. The penalty that was given to Portsmouth, the penalty that was given to Portsmouth, Portugal, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the penalty that was given to Argentina, the penalty that was given to Saudi Arabia, There's been a whole catalogue of decisions which haven't been clear and obvious errors by the officials. And this wasn't happening at the last World Cup, so something has changed and whereby the way they're operating this. And of course, the worst thing about all this is, is we don't hear anything. At least in the Premier League, we have a, a proper communication line and we can get responses. We might not like the responses we hear, we might not buy what we're told, but at least we get an explanation and we understand what's going on. And then of course, the, the, the mere fact of not hearing what's going on, which has got to change eventually. It's not going to be today or tomorrow, but long term, that's got to be the solution which changes the way this works.
2: Yeah, because every every other sport has that. And we can hear what they're saying. We've we've all said that right from the word go. But they I,
4: seem very, I seem very
3: reluctant to do that. They really don't like the idea. Whether it's uh, Kalina, whether it's the Premier League, they seem dead set there against the idea of. You know, the fans being part of the, of the process, if you like, being able to heal as it's an unfolding. And, you know, because again, with the frustration of not knowing in this World Cup why decisions are being made.
4: Yeah, there was, there was actually um, a couple of months ago the interview with the um, one of the Lee VAR people in Syria, and who was asked this specific question about uh, releasing the audio. And, and it sounded like they're, they're not really confident enough in the system themselves to be able to lift the lid and for everyone to hear it. And I think that's the reason. I mean, when when we get played as media parts of the VR uh, media, when you hear um, uh, the Australian A League stuff, people be, uh, be yeah. and everyone's looking at that. You've got to remember, we're being shown really good incidents where they're happy with the way it's gone and the way the results come. They're not going to play us where they've messed up or where there have been clear errors. They're 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 saying, "Look, this is great. This is how we do it." Yeah. And. Um, obviously, a lot of the time, or maybe not a lot of the time, but some of the time, doesn't go like that. And I think they're just scared at the moment that if they lift the lid. One of those incidents happens quite early in the process and it just all goes off and 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 there's criticism coming left, right, and centre, which puts extra pressure on the officials. I think the
3: worst one in most people's eyes was the penalty that was awarded to Lionel Messi for the challenge by Chesney yesterday. <laughs> um and Delly McKaylee is a really, really experienced top referee. And I could not believe he wasn't summoned to that monitor and, and didn't say, why are you showing me this? That's not a penalty absolutely. in a million years. Yeah, why are you absolutely. showing me this? And he's, not only does he not do that, he doesn't most, overturn it.
4: He's one of the most experienced referees at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, like The thing is, right, there is an argument for that to be a penalty. In, in, just, in, if you go to base level, as in the keepers come out and... He's made contact with Lyle Messi's face. Just, but yes, base level, you could say that, should, that, that could be a penalty. Now, if the referee's given that, that's fair enough. That's fair enough to a point. But if it's going from the VAR, it's picking up such inconsequential contact. You might remember in the Premier League, like about a month ago or so ago, I think it was, it was Leeds United, and I think it was against Wolves, and the keeper came out and absolutely clattered the Leeds United player, caught him full in the head. And there was no penalty from VAR because they said it was a genuine play from the keeper to come and get the ball, even though he didn't get the ball. This is the same, but with far less contact. But FIFA are intervening, or the VAR on the keeper's behalf, to give the penalty. And I just... That type of contact we don't want it was, to see. It was up. incidental contact. Absolutely. It was just you know, there was no intention
2: whatsoever. He wasn't hurt. It was never just not a penalty. The one that you pointed out that they they used as an example of not to give, and they still gave it, where the bloke fell I can't remember which game that was, was the it.
3: Portugal uh, yeah. that, game. Wasn't that's it? the worst that's the worst one for me. Yeah, Portugal Uruguay where he falls on the ball and, yeah. and they asked he's asked to go at the monitor and they give the
4: penalty. Yeah, I mean, but the whole point is not the there's a the IFAB have loads of examples of what is and what isn't decisions. The laws are not just the booklet of the laws. And one of the examples of what should not be considered a handball is when you put your hand down to balance and support yourself, whether the hand is touching the ground at that point or not. So what the VAR has decided in this game uh, is, and we we'll make get onto the France game shortly, which is another one not entirely, um, what the VAR has decided here is told the referee that the art, the player has put his arm deliberately in that position to stop the ball, rather than just to support his body, which is just a nonsense to overrule the referee mm-hmm. on that point. It's just it was an unnecessary intervention. We've
3: Basically, only seen one overturn, haven't we? In yeah. uh, Caesar wasn't it Caesar Ramos uh, Denmark Tunisia one rejected overturn. He went to the screen, shown it, and said, "No, I think it was handball," wasn't it? He said, "Not not for me."
4: But so it wasn't quite. Think, it wasn't. It wasn't as simple as no handball. That he saw. He saw a foul just before the handball. That's right. So it was, yeah. so it was slightly different to rejecting the handball itself.
3: Mm. But he did. He 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 rejected yeah. what VAR was saying. So, do you think there's been a directive to say once you're at that screen, really, you've you've got to be looking to give it? And if so, that's a ridiculous thing.
4: So I think there's always a pressure that when a referee goes to the monitor. That he's made a mistake because basically the mantra is there for you to overturn your decision. You are basically being told you've made a mistake. You're not being told, oh, you might want to look at this. So when the referee's going there, he will have the mindset of, oh, i probably made a mistake here. And then he's not being presented with the evidence of, oh, you might want to look at this angle, this angle, this angle. He's been presented with the angle which shows he's made a mistake.
2: Yeah. It's always a still as well that looks much worse. Yeah, yeah. So so that's rubbish, isn't it? Maybe we'll get one in in the final where uh, where the referee's not worried about being sent home. I think they're (laughs) frightened. They're frightened of of losing their chance to do the semi final or the final. So, you know, they just. We've
4: had this in the Premier League for the last two years, like last year when there wasn't a single referee that went to the monitor and didn't overturn the decision. It's not actually healthy because that's saying the VAR can't make a mistake which is obviously nonsense because it's you know it's a human being making their own subjective decision so there are going to be times when they get it wrong and you've got to have that barrier where the referee changes it
3: well it is a pretty damning indictment really that you the man we turn to most of the time on social media to <laughs> to tell us why decisions have been made as that you're you're really exasperated I can tell there's stuff going on in this world cup that even you can't but the
4: France the France decision yesterday where they've managed to totally screw up VR protocol, leading to France um, lodging a protest against the result is just quite remarkable. I mean, what happened there was when Griezmann scored the goal, the goal stood, and there's been some type of complete breakdown in communication between the VR and the referee. The referee's given a blow to, to, to kick off again, and then immediately afterwards it's blown full-time. So the game's restarted, so it's not possible to have a VR review. Yet they still had a VAR review. They've disallowed the goal, and then they've restarted the game again for the last forty seconds. Wow. And it's just absolutely crazy. It's in the World Cup. They've managed to uh, disallow a goal totally against their own protocol. This is this isn't the IFAB yeah. that, that control VAR. FIFA control VAR, and they've absolutely screwed up that one of their own matches, which could which could have had a, such a, a huge bearing on on qualification from the group. It turns wow. out that. This particular one uh, uh, was inco- inconsequential to places, but it's just remarkable that this is happening at the World Cup.
3: There we are. This Dale Johnson, Mr. Mister VAR, exasperated as we are. So, Andy, we go again tomorrow, of yes. course. Yes. Um, three o'clock, you've got a choice of viewing. Garner Uruguay. Well, I mm. think that should be a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, actually.
2: that could be because it's a bit of needle there, isn't it? Because of Suarez.
3: Absolutely. And everything that went on there, especially Suarez saying today, I didn't miss the penalty. So uh, if he does get oh, on, oh, that. yeah, what a piece of work.
0: <laughs> I didn't do
3: anything wrong. I didn't miss the penalty. So oh, I think you nice. might find him kicked up in the air a few times <laughs> if he gets on. <laughs> or South Korea, Portugal. I don't want to watch old um, Cristiano preening around the pitch. I'll give that a miss and just hope Sonny can score. And then 7 o'clock is Brazil again against Cameroon. Again, that should be that should be an exciting game, even though Brazil are home and hosed. The <laughs> option is Serbia versus Switzerland. and
2: Are I'm they playing sure. for second in that one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Swiss are in the box seat, aren't they? Um, So um, I'm not sure. I'll I'll go with Brazil and keep an eye on the other one. I'm watching them both as it is anyway. (laughs) One on the telly, (laughs) one on the iPad. Um, It just about works. They're slightly behind on on the 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 tech. But um, so, um, well, we'll we'll reconvene then and look back on those games. We'll also have clips of the week for you tomorrow we bring you the clips of the week Ooh, podcast on okay. a friday hopefully we'll have a sufficient number to give you uh, the podcast so if you um, look out for that if you download don't uh, download it already you can do wherever you get this podcast but for now we will catch up with you tomorrow
0: normally being a little extra can be a bit much